rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Hummus Podcast. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. All right, buddies. Today is a very special episode of the Muscle Hummus Podcast. And I know you longtime listeners are going, Damien, you say every episode is a special episode, but today is a super special episode. And here's why. Not only do I have one of my heroes on this episode, I have, motherfucker, I have two of my heroes on this episode. I have Mr. Isaac Thorts from The Arrivals, one of Chicago's long-lost greatest punk bands. And if you're a punk rock connoisseur, you already know The Arrivals. Go check them out. Fucking killer Chicago punk rock that just never quite broke it into that next level. That uh, Sure, they're punk news famous, but they never quite hit that next level. And then we got the dude that's that's been all over the map. He's been everywhere. Mr. Neil Hennessy, who's the drummer of the Lawrence Arms, and of course the Smoking Popes, and God knows how many other bands. And that dude, of course, is eclipsed. All these other bands. And I'm not trying to say one is better than the other, and as we will hear today, their stories are interconnected, intertwined. Um, this interview happened because my best good buddy, Miss Jen Valdez, Bought a three-day Riot Fest ticket and ended up getting invited to a wedding in uh, Italy. Said, fuck Riot Fest, I'm going to Italy. Sold me your ticket for $100. I posted on Facebook that I needed a place to stay in Chicago. Dude, a, a super, super, super mutual acquaintance, a dude I barely knew named Derek Mueller. Graphic design extraordinaire. He works at a... Uh, well, I forget the name of the fucking place he works at. Lived in West Loop, Chicago. Offered me his ginormous apartment to stay at. He lived a block away from Bottom Lounge, about four blocks away from fucking Cobra Lounge. And I was like, yes, please. Let me stay there. Uh, killer Coffee Shop. I stay at a couple blocks away as well. He's in a killer band called Whipped. Please check them out. They're a really, really good, solid Chicago area um, Midwestern pop punk that I really liked. They don't have a web presence. Otherwise, I would promote them on there. Uh, please, guys, get a web presence. I'm talking to Derek, and I'm like, hey, dude, I got all these interviews set up that I'm going to do. Who else should I interview? And he goes, well, hey, the Treasure Fleet. Uh, Isaac from the Arrivals and his other side project band. They're, they're all over fucking punk news and whatever right now. Should talk to those guys. Yes, please. I love the Arrivals. I had seen the Arrivals first uh, back in 2000. 2002, I believe. It was my... And we talk about it in today's episode. 21st birthday at midnight. I get drunk with the dude from Dillinger 4. The Arrivals opened. Lawrence Arms. Dillinger 4. Second time I saw the Arrivals, the day they were on tour Rise Against and Plain White Tees, right before Plain White Tees broke huge with their, like, hey there, Delilah, do you suck my dick? And Well, whatever. And, uh... It was the day RPM, Rising Against Second Album, came out in stores. And the Arrivals guys, my roommate's band had opened for the Arrivals uh, that first time in Colorado uh, with Dillinger 4. They, hey, do you remember us? Yeah, let's go to this bar down the street after the fucking Rising Against plays and let's go fucking get drunk. It's a bar called Tony's here in Colorado Springs, a little neighborhood uh, Wisconsin-esque bar. And there's a dude playing guitar. And the Arrival guys pretty much took over this dude's uh, set and just ended up playing like fucking journey covers and whatnot. And talking to Isaac this night at uh, the township, he's like, I kind of remember that. Yeah. So I email, 
I email Isaac and I tell him all these things. And he's like, yeah, let's do an interview. I show up in Chicago. I'm there a couple days early. Turns out there's a teacher strike. Uh, Isaac can't do the interview. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. It's not going to happen. Most of the interviews I had scheduled for Chicago did not happen. I had a few surprise interviews, as we'll hear next week on next week's episode. As we talk further about my Chicago uh, adventures, and I'll talk way too much. Uh, So, it's uh, Monday afternoon. I'm flying away on Tuesday morning. I'm interviewing Matt Allison at Atlas Studios. Matt Allison, of course, recorded the first uh, few Alkaline Trio records. He recorded the best Lawrence Arms records. I recorded the Menzingers, Mast Intruder, uh, Smoker Fire, Smoking Popes. I fucking love this dude. I'm in punk rock mecca, and I'm hanging out with Matt Allison when I get a text from Isaac going like, hey, I can still do the interview tonight. Talking to Matt about it. He gets a text from fucking uh, whoever about um, about Wilhelm Screenplay and a secret show at Township. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So I'm, And, of course, it's four or five blocks away from where Isaac lives. Isaac meets me down there. It's pouring cats and dogs. And I meet Isaac down there. And Isaac goes, well, I felt so bad for blowing you off. I called Neil to see if Neil would come hang out. Here, Here's me. All the research I had done was about Isaac. <laughs> it was all about the arrivals and treasure fleets and all this stuff. And he's going to... In- introduce Neil into this and I'm petrified because Neil Hennessy was one of the dudes that when I wanted to come to Chicago to do interviews he was one of the dudes I wanted to interview I'd already I've already interviewed Brendan Kelly from Lawrence Arms um, way back in February uh, one of the first few episodes we did of the podcast and Brendan Kelly is also the most downloaded episode we've had yet and I'm like oh god I get to interview his drummer now and Isaac Isaac looks at me and he goes oh Neil is always in Brendan's shadow. And this this is me paraphrasing. This isn't and and of course I'm drinking heavily as you'll hear later. It's like he's always in Neil's in uh, Brendan's shadow and I don't think he really gets to say a lot and Neil has a lot to say. And holy shit does Neil have a lot to say because Neil dominates this entire episode, which isn't a bad thing because um the chemistry him and Isaac give off is just fantastic and you get to see why treasure fleet works the way it does and how it does um and then once isaac does take control in the interview it's like whoa whoa and i'm very 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 fortunate to have met these two on this very special night and i'm not gonna lie i was super nervous we'd started doing the interview right before wilhelm scream went on and then neil looks at me and uh we're going to go ahead and, you know what, I, I've been debating, and fuck it, right here in the spirit of the moment, we're going to go ahead and we're going to open it up with the very first, like, few moments of that interview. Uh, it's mostly Neil talking about working at Atlas Studios, um, where I had previously been earlier that day doing an interview with Matt Matt Allison. We're going to open it up with that. And then we're going to, and then Neil looks at me and goes, hey, like, Wilhelm Scream's about to play. Let's go fucking watch these dudes. And I'm like, yes, please. I stop the mic and I look at Neil and I go, have you ever heard of these guys before? These guys are awesome. Now, if you're a follower of the podcast or magazine, you would know that uh, Wilhelm Scream was one of the first interviews I did that led to me starting Mostly Harmless Magazine. Instead, I was just going to do like a punk zine on the, online. And then I was like, fuck, this interview is so awesome. I threw the audio up on uh, MySpace back in the day, uh, about eight years ago. People loved it. People were like, dude, you should do more audio interviews. It took me a few years, but needless to say, we started Most Homeless Podcast because of that first Wilhelm Scream interview. 
And so I'm asking Neil Hennessy from the Lawrence Arms, have you ever heard these guys before? And he looks at me like I'm a fucking retard. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of these guys. And I'm exaggerating a little bit because he was he was a very polite, very nice dude. Um, and, of course, minutes later, I'm like, oh, the interview I did with Wilhelm Scream in the parking lot of the uh, then – I don't know if it was yet the black sheep or not, but anyway, in the parking lot of the venue that I fucking work at now, the interview I did with the Wilhelm Scream, who were they opening for? The goddamn Lawrence Arms. So so the entire time I'm watching one of the best shows I saw of the entire Rat Fest, a last minute uh, special show at Township, uh, one of the best fucking venues I went to in Chicago. Um, I'm thinking, God, I'm such an idiot. And uh, so we go back to the other interview, and it starts out with me talking to Neil about, oh, hey, I, uh, I saw you guys. Uh, oh, I feel so stupid now. For blah, 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 blah. And here's the thing about doing an interview at a uh, popular Chicago venue in Chicago with Chicago punk rock royalty such as Neil Hennessy and Isaac. And Isaac's kind of a more laid-back, quiet character who I got to hang out with a lot and talk to about a lot. And I'm very, very, very happy to hang out with Isaac and Neil. But um, these dudes have a uh, history in the town, so people kept coming up to us. Nuno Pereira from Wilhelm Scream came up and interrupted us. I talked to Nuno for a few minutes on the microphone. We're going to edit all that out today because it's me being a drunken douche. Uh, I got nervous. I drank a lot of beer that night. They were having $2 uh, old Milwaukee's, I believe they were, and I was ordering two to three at a time. I'm nervous, and I'm, I'm hanging out with dudes that, like, really, I, I, I say this a lot, and I know I'm getting into 10 minutes here of uh, bullshitting, but <sighs> is this real life? I get to go to Chicago and hang out with people that I look up to and I admire and make an ass out of myself. I get to get drunk and be just ridiculous and record it and show it to you guys. Is that real life? Is is this happening or am I just fucking drunk and dreaming? Of course I am drunk right now, but uh, that's not the point. And so, like, really, uh, I forget where I'm going, but uh, we, we get interrupted a lot. Uh, this this is going to take some interesting editing to make this episode happen. Um, we're going to go ahead and open this interview up. It's a long interview. Please listen to it all because it's so fucking fascinating. And Neil talks a little bit about the new Lawrence Arms record. I should have opened the episode up with that so you'd still be listening. Uh, but Neil does talk about the new Lawrence Arms record. Isaac talks about uh, the arrivals. Um, they talk about Treasure Fleet, and we're going to open this up uh, with a song from uh, the Treasure Fleet's upcoming album, Future Ways. It's coming out on Recess Records. Um, it's called Nisaya. It's named after uh, it's named after Isaac's daughter. Uh, fascinating story about how uh, the song came to be, but I didn't get that on tape. But we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Uh, Nisaya, N-I-T-S-A. It's about Isaac's daughter. This is off Future Ways.
Actually, put a number on it right now. Maybe somewhere from four to nine. Jesus. Wait, they they performed that or recorded? Performed. Oh. Um, How many have you recorded? Four to nine, also oh, yeah. probably. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell. Like some, um, we switched locations in 2005, and I started in 03, like really recording things and. Uh, mixing them and figuring out what all that was about like you know I had I had just like mixed stuff on uh, 
little like Roland digital recorders at home, but uh, Matt was like super cool to let me get in there and like figure out what compression was all about and how to record an acoustic guitar and like how you know vastly different that is from like recording an electric guitar. So. Um, had you already recorded a, a Lawrence Arms record with, with Matt at that point? Or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we recorded two EPs and then a full length. And then at that point, I was kind of like bugging him, being like, "Hey, like, I'd love to come in and like learn learn what you you know what you got to offer." And I'm sure that like tons of people asked him, <laughs> you know. And he sort of like brushed me off, nah, not brushed me off, but he kind of just was like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe someday. And then uh, actually the Killing Tree was in there, and I was living with Tim McGrath at the time, and I just sort of like snuck in on that session and was hanging out. And obviously I knew Matt, so it was cool. And like right after that session, it was the sort of thing that like, he just kind of said, hey, if you want to come by and you know anyone that has like any demo material, if you just want to like have, have at it and figure out what, you know, what the what the board is all about and what uh you know like I said compression and all that stuff and whatever it was a it was a glorious time. <laughs> oh, three, Matt, oh, Matt's let two two people ever <laughs> come and work in his studio. Right? In that, at that point, I, I I think I was the first person that yeah. he he sort of let in there to that level, like where I had keys. Yeah. I could get I could show up there and get in at that point which was like I was the first person and now um, there's only one other person Justin Yates and he actually there's three locks to get into Atlas and he only has keys to two of the locks so if Matt and I decide we can say hey let's, let's lock that third lock you know uh, which does happen just for safety reasons as well since the third lock is a fine lock uh, but yeah is this okay with you? Or should we? Yeah, sounds uh, good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I mean, should we? Can you hear me? Yeah. Should we go? Should we figure out a way to like maybe watch it now that we figured out the game? We'll watch the show and come back yeah. and do this. You want to watch the show? And come back. Cool? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean that that would be yeah. cool. I mean, have you ever seen these guys before? Uh, yeah, a few yeah. times. I've never seen them. Yeah, great. Let's let's go watch them and then we'll come back. We can just sort of edit it in, you know. It's gonna be just like this, and then like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna go watch Wilhelm scream. We'll be right back. So I'm ha I'm hanging out at the uh, township, Chicago. I'm still in Chicago, with uh, Neil Hennessy. Hennessy? Hen Hennessy? Uh, Hennessy. Yes. Hennessy. Yeah, like the uh, like the uh, African American. It's a it's beverage. a it's a. <laughs> is it a cognac? It's a it's a cognac. Yeah, it's it's from a region of France actually. It's wow. Hennessy is an Irish name, but uh, years ago I, I can't I can't tell you the century or the exact uh, decade. But uh, it was, you know, 1600s, 1700s. Uh, dude from Ireland defected. Is that the right word to use there? Sure. <laughs> De facto? Yeah, just, just like sort of, uh, you know, left the Irish community, went to France, and started making a cognac. And so you have a, you have a French drink that has an Irish name. That uh, rappers enjoy very much. Uh, the, bar I, the bar I work at, the Black Sheep, we were just talking about, when we have rapper shows of various uh, whatever uh, we sell about a thousand percent more Hennessy than anything else so I don't think I can introduce Isaac either Isaac from the arrivals and and now treasure fleet you guys are both in treasure fleet which we'll talk about mostly today um, let me pull up my cell phone I got all my questions on my cell phone 
Um, Classy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, normally I have a printout, but I'm in Chicago and I don't have a printer. Um, so are you guys both from Chicago, like the Chicago area originally? Um, I'm from the area originally. I think Isaac, you're you're from a couple hours away. Yeah. Well, I I was born I was born in Chicago. I lived in the south suburbs, and then we moved to Springfield when I was a kid, and we moved we moved to Blue Island when I was in high school. See, I don't I don't know what Blue Island is. I know what Springfield it's a, is. It's like a suburb. It's like like just just south of Chicago, first okay. city out of Chicago on the south side. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, we, we both lived in Chicago, all, like, I don't know, 15 years, yeah. <laughs> something like that. I, mean, I, I moved here right after high school, yeah. basically. Yeah. I was 19 when I moved here, so a long time. Uh, so I grew up in a town called Shreveport, Louisiana. It's about 30 minutes away from Texas, 45 from Arkansas. Once upon a time, it was the, the place for, like, uh, country music were Johnny Cash and Hank Williams. But when I grew up there, it was nothing. But you guys were kind of, sort of, in the area. Um, so what was it like? Or, or, like, you hit here in your early... Anyway, what was it like like coming up in this punk rock scene? What was the scene like for you? Uh, B- because, like, for me, there was nothing. There's absolutely... Yeah. Like, it was just, like, radio metal bands. Well, my, my first association with punk rock was through my brother... Right. He's an old. He's an older guy than me. Older brother, <laughs> uh, two years. So he got into bands like Black Flag and Fugazi and Naked Raygun and Dead Milkmen. And, and I would see I would see all these uh, cassette tapes and CDs strewn about his room. And he'd be gone for hours on an afternoon. And I'd go grab one and put it on. And I my association with that as like a you know seventh or eighth grader, get it getting into it was. It, like I didn't, I didn't know how to wrap my head around it. I just thought, I just looked at the CD cover. I was like, oh, this is a weird, D-. like a DRI was also in there. They're not so much a band that I'd listen to now, but they're a part of that whole sort of underground uh, late '80s time, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just want to look at the cover and read, read the lyrics and see what these guys were saying. <laughs> and that was my association as far as locally. Like I had no idea. Any of those bands would be any from anywhere near where I was from. Like there was no consideration of like locale. And my first association with local the local scene was actually like one of the it was the first week of high school. Just meeting kids that you know we had a high school that took a bunch of different uh, junior highs. I'm sure all, that's what all high schools are like. You know you sort of get integrated with a, a different district. And um, I remember meeting kids that were like, "Oh, you haven't heard of Ween? You know, here's the Boognish, and they're they're like drawing the Boognish on the wall with a marker, you know, like graffiti of like the Ween logo, just like trying to like show me like this is their, this is what this band like represents or whatever. And I'm like, oh, th- like this is what it is. It's just relating to people and like then like, hey, do you want to start a band? Sure. Yeah, pretty much. From that started a really shitty band, <laughs> and it was one of those bands that, like, you know, we wanted to be Dead Kennedys and Ween, and we wanted to like push <laughs> Dead we, Kennedys and Ween. And Ween, yeah. Th- well, those are the two. Those are the two bands because we wanted to be social. We had a song called like Preppy Stormtroopers. You know, we wanted to be like socially aware. It is we were Dead high Kennedys school. and Ween. Yeah, totally. And it, it was all about you know like like stormtroopers coming down and killing all the preppies. But uh, but it was done with um, a sort of. Uh, disregard to quality 
of music. <laughs> it was just sort of whatever came out, and it was all about the lyrical content or whatever. And it was like it wasn't about musicianship, is what I'm what I'm getting to. And eventually, I heard this demo tape of a kid from a school or two over, where I'm like, man, this kid's a sophomore and he's making this demo tape. I gotta like meet this guy because, like. He's blowing my mind with the songwriting as a 16-year-old, and it was Tim, who's now in Rise Against. Right. And I'm like, man, I, and and I heard the tape through a kid who, like I was saying about the high schools, the junior highs all splitting and going to different high schools. A kid that had gone to junior high and elementary school with Tim. So I was like, man, can you introduce me to this guy? Like, I just want to like meet. I just want to meet a kid who's my age that's writing these kinds of songs. And uh, and that's where I learned about like he taught me about Jawbreaker. And he taught me about like Green Day and like all that that sort of stuff. Like I had known about like Nirvana because everyone knew about Nirvana, yeah. but that wasn't like under that wasn't underground, you know. And then I started learning about like Psychic Cato and Cap and Jazz and you know Peg Boy and like the whole local thing that was happening. And it was like, oh wow, there's this whole rung of music that's going on that will never be known in the ma- in the masses. But if you look into peer into each city, that ring like it exists. For, for, for everyone to enjoy on their own level, you know, and that's 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 like my first involvement with like punk rock, I suppose, is like learning that like you just kind of getting together with friends and appreciating that other people in other communities near you are doing a similar thing, trying to you know push the lyrical or you know musical boundary in with what you have as a, like a kid. Right. Like I didn't, I never associated it with mohawks and like you know. Uh, just like a negative attitude towards progression or whatever you want to call it like yeah. like some people associate well, like, you're, you're only two years older than me uh, maybe three years older than me so like I, don't I grew know. up how old are you I'm 31 yeah I'm 33 so, so yeah, I grew years. up in the skate punk with that whole like there were mohawks but it was more like yeah let's go skating and have fun where I come from it was uh, everyone was we were skaters, you know, wearing Jenko jeans, but we were pretty, you know, our we some kids would dye their hair, right. you know, no, we didn't have like kids that were seventeen with tattoos and like doing that kind of thing. We had skinheads in our scene that would come to shows and ruin the whole fucking yeah. program. So, Isaac, Isaac want Isaac said that he had it before we get to you. Yeah, there's a good story about a, a Black Sabbath cover. In your first band oh, that Isaac geez. was telling me to make sure that's, to ask you about? It's hardly a first band, and it's hilarious <laughs> that you would uh, bring that up. But that's why I brought he, it up. He also, he also <laughs> asked about, uh, he wanted me to make sure that I brought up, like, you uh, recording on boomboxes? Boombox to boombox oh, to boombox? Oh, yeah, multi-track boombox. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but Black Sabbath, t- tell us about that. that and I mean, and that, then we're going to talk to Isaac. All that really is is uh, a bunch of eighth graders, I guess it was at the time, Getting together, learning one riff, and learning one drum intro that was accompanying that riff. <laughs> Going into the song as soon as the drum intro, you know, you, you know the riff from Iron Man. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna mouth it here, but we all, we all know the classic riff. And then there's the, the Blickum drum part that kind of gets the whole thing going. So imagine that happening. But then not really knowing how to, to go into anything and then stopping and then recording that again. Like we recorded that over and over on like a 45 minute cassette tape that we then subsequently took on like uh, one of the kids that it was actually only me and one other guy. The other guy, um, we went to like his family's summer home 
and we sat around a fire <laughs> and like ate s'mores and listened to our 45 minute long version of us doing the intro to Iron Man over and over and over and over. It, it ended and with over. the with when the drums came in, right? Is that, isn't that? What well, you yeah, said? it was basically like it, like the it would come in and we would try to like play the riff, but then we wouldn't know how to play together. <laughs> it's like one guy knew the riff. I, Jim, the other guy, knew the riff, and I, I was doing the drum part. We had, that was before the multi-tracking, though. That was like, with the same boombox recorded that. But we would eventually, with the high school band, the year later, the one band I was telling you about that wanted to be Dead Kennedys and Ween, yeah. all of our demos were done where we would, uh, we would record the music and we would listen and see if we needed to get stuff louder or quieter just by like moving stuff or turning it up like anything, you know. Yeah. But then to get vocals, you know, we would have a guy singing with the boom box into another boom box like next to him and it you know it was all it was all about just transferring tracks i mean anyone at, when at that point you're not even thinking about it you're just doing it because that's the only way that you can do it it's not even like like you're not it's not like conceptual <laughs> yeah right. by any means so we haven't talked to isaac and me i'm yeah, sorry please. isaac no you're the reason we're both here or all of us are here yeah, so, so he is God. <laughs> no, 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 I, I love the arrivals, and uh, I'm enjoying this treasure we met. Anyway, what was your first introduction to like music in general? Like, like we were asking him earlier to to me. Oh, to Chicago music or, hey. or to music in general? How about music in general? Music in general. Uh, music in general. I just I I actually I I, I wasn't into music until about like 1990 1991 and, or, but but I was totally into my dad's records like I was totally like I, I like I would put I would put his records on before I went to school but I was it was just like I was I just wanted something to listen to it wasn't like you know kind of you know I didn't have any sense of like when these records were from what country they were from what like like none of that mattered to me I was just like listening to to sounds just listening to music and that's like and then I, I did buy, I bought two records before 1990. I bought uh, Back to the Future soundtrack. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it, uh, we, we went to like a 4th of July fireworks display. And, I, and like I went and bought like a John Philip Sousa, <laughs> like greatest hits. First. And then those were like my two records before 1990 that, that I was just like, but I don't. Even, I, I couldn't tell you why I bought those. And then, like, I, like in 1990, my dad bought me a CD player, and he got me like, uh, like Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood, uh, Led Zeppelin one, like some you know some records he thought I would like. He, my dad was a huge record dude, and uh, well, th- he got me CDs though. Like he was just like, you, like you should start getting into music, Isaac. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they, like so, yeah, so like my my. My music was, my dad was in, he was, you know, he's a kid, he bought, like, British Invasion shit, and uh, he's super into, like, the folk revival kind of, you know, that Dylan, like, he probably got into Dylan, and he's like, there was all that other scene going on, so he started getting into, like, more obscure, like, horrible, horrible folk <laughs> people, but, that, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was into. Then I got into like same way Neil like I I started bands like I moved I moved to Blue Island and I already knew Naked Raygun but I I didn't I didn't know like 
it didn't matter to me that they were from Chicago. They were just like another like cool underground band, and like I was just like, oh yeah, like you, like then when I found out they were from Chicago, I was just like, oh like now things are getting interesting. Then I started getting in- interested in like other bands that I like. I, I wanted to know, got into like Jesus Lizard Ministry. Uh, like not, I, I wasn't going to shows yet. I was just like, what other bands are from Chicago and uh, what, you know, Big Black and. Then it, then it, you know, my first. Then it was like, oh, okay, like I, like I want to go to a show, <laughs> and I tried to get one of my. I can't remember what one of the first shows I went to was, uh, Slapsticks, like one of their last shows at the Fireside. Didn't get in, sold out. <laughs> Can I ask you a question here? Did, yeah. did you have a band before you went to your first show? Or no. Did, so no. this is your this is your first sort of I'm just, foray into yeah. The whole thing. I'm, I'm just like. You know, digging a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Like, I mean, kind of the same way. Like, I no first starts off with no sense of like time or place, goes to a little bit of a sense of place, goes to like, holy shit, like stuff is happening right now, and I and I can go to it. You know, and then uh, tried to go to see Smoking Popes at the Metro. That was sold out. <laughs> How old are when, you, Isaac? I'm 34. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's, a little bit older, but we're all the same age. And then, and then, I, I think Sidekick Cato, Blue Meanies, like those were those were like some of the, like going to the Metro, seeing bands that I knew were from here, and it was, you know, just stoked about. It's like then meeting those guys and just you know like, I don't know, get, getting into just like these are real people. I I know how to play an instrument. They know how to play an instrument. They're way fucking better than I am. But like someday I might be like some of those people. Like that that's kind of that was my that, that's how I got into it. You know, one of my favorite stories is that uh, I played in a band in high school that played uh, Isaac's first band's first the show, The Arrivals. Yeah, the band The Arrivals. Uh, they played a show at the Gateway Theater, which is at Lawrence in Milwaukee. Uh, it was a was it a Bob Waterman show or it was it a pay was to play? It was a pay to play where you had to like pay for your tickets and then and then based on how many tickets you sold, you got ranked as far as when you play. It's some bullshit that doesn't. I don't know if that happens anymore. Not I hope in Chicago. not. I, I hope think it not. might happen in LA still. <laughs> yeah, it might happen somewhere, but it's some bullshit. And kids, if you're involved with anything like that, fucking shit on that promoter's head. Seriously, play a show in your parents' basement. Yeah, put, yeah, put it put it in your parents' house. Anyways, uh, so I played in a band at the time called 28th Day. They were a somewhat established local girl punk band. Uh, I would have been a, I guess I would have been a junior. You're a year older than me, Isaac, in school, so you would have been a senior, right? This would have been your senior year. Um, and so we played. It was also uh, Mest, the band Mest, if you know that, local uh the band that doesn't know what the dilly is, you know? Yeah. There's like a dilly happening, and they're like, what is the dilly? I, <laughs> that I re- band. Yeah. Um, that was their first show, too. But uh, it was one of those things where I didn't realize the arrivals were on that show until we, you know, Isaac and I had been spending a lot of time doing Treasure Fleet, and I was filling in for Patty for the arrivals, like, doing that stuff. But, like, uh, we were spending a lot of time. It was like, oh, yeah, we were talking about this Copernicus Center Gateway Theater show. It was like... Yeah. That was that one back in 96, right? Yeah. And it, it happened to be this exact same show. And that, to me, is like... That's indicative of the Chicago scene. Like, you just sort of do your thing in your own suburb or in your own, like, nook of Chicago. 
uh, and you're going to eventually find the other dude who's doing that or other other musician who's doing that, you know. It's, I, I want to say it's very synchronous. What's the word I'm looking for? Serendipitous. Serendipitous. Serendipitous works too. Yeah, that's not the one I was. It's, I was looking for the one that the police named their album. Synchronicity. Album. Yeah. Right. Is that? Is that? Does that fit? I, I think that's know. more about like uh, robots lining up with human brains uh, at some point. Fair enough. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. That works too. Synchronicity. That's, that's like eventually, like when we have computer chips that are controlling our yeah, our every like bank account that yeah. are in our wrist. I think that, I think that is more serendipitous. Like. Who the fuck would have thought that happened? Dude, so good to see you. You as well, man. What were we talking about, Isaac? Do you remember? Because I don't. Yeah, we were talking about early years. (laughs) That's exactly what we were talking about. No, no, uh, so we'll just skip whatever the fuck we were talking about before Nuno Pereira came and ruined it. (laughs) That motherfucker. Tell him to turn his hat. No, anyway. uh, So, your guitar player. Your singer. Why'd you start playing guitar? Why'd you start singing? Um, what what brought you to guitar? Because so Neil's a drummer and a bass player. I think he, Neil played guitar first, though, right? Yeah, I'm first a guitar player. Wow. How'd you end up being a drummer, Neil? Because that's what you're most well known for. In Treasure Fleet, you're. Well, I think a bass I think player. Isaac should finish first. Oh, sorry. You, you posed the question to Isaac. <laughs> but I'm drinking. All of a sudden, it's deflected to me. Um, we can get into that later, but Isaac. Uh, I started playing guitar because I don't know I was bored and I got super into Bob Dylan and I I just I was like man that shit's easy I can do that played it played two some two chord songs and yeah so was it acoustic first or yeah. electric acoustic guitar acoustic. I, and then I met, and I met Little Dave and he and he was just like you write songs, man? And I was just like, no. Never. And he's like, here's how you do it. And he started just like playing a blues riff and like singing along to it. And like, that's a song. <laughs> and then I was just like, yeah, I could do that. It sounds good. How did you start singing? Um, I just, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm Catholic. <laughs> and if you're Catholic, you go to church and you... And everybody pulls out their book and sings along to all the, I don't know, hymns or whatever. So, yeah, that's how I started singing. Cool. Now let's reflect back to Mr. Hennessy here. Um, basically, it all boils down to the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> older brother, older influence. Um, he was a few years older, and he, he had a band that practiced in our basement. Drum set, bass rig, guitar rig, uh, wall piano, and it was the kind of thing that I would I would go down there and I'd watch them all play, like all these kids from the neighborhood, and then they'd all go out and uh, you know get cheeseburgers or smoke bongs <laughs> or I don't know whatever whatever they did, and uh, I would I would jump around and I would I would play as like probably I don't know seventh grader. He's like a freshman at that point, so I'm like a seventh grader into eighth grade like right before the uh, Iron Maiden uh, or not Iron Maiden the Iron Man sorry uh, uh, band started like that whole like kind of seventh grade into eighth grade I would just try my hand at anything I would pick up I would pick up the bass and I remember the bass player John Heffler who uh, was in a band called Beauty Shop and uh, he's one of the better musicians I've ever seen in my day 
he had a glass slide and he was a bass player. He would play these parts with a glass slide. I'm like, what the hell? So I, and that's my association with bass for the first time ever is a glass slide. So I'm, I'm like picking up a glass slide in like seventh grade trying to play this like bass that's all like psychedelic paint, like black light painted, you know, just like all these kids in high school being all weird with their LSD or I don't even know what they did at that point. <laughs> But um, so to answer your question, that I mean, that's where it all came down. Basically, was my brother having a band and my parents allowing him to practice in the basement, you know, while, while they weren't home, of course. <laughs> uh, but then it, it was more of one of those situations where you once you immerse yourself in school and society outside of your basement musically, you realize that people want to start bands, and then you realize if you can play drums. That's really all you're going to keep playing. <laughs> if you keep telling people that you want to play drums. So I had a thing where every band I played in during the 90s, my first band ever was 92 in 8th grade. I'm not going to tell you the name of the band because the name of the band actually went on to be a successful band. <laughs> a different band or the band without you? No, no, not the band without me. No, not at all. It was like a few years later, there was a band from Detroit with the same name who had some hits. Nick! We're gonna we're gonna stop the interview for another second. Oh, sorry. To be no, no, it's quite all right, man. Good to see you. You sounded awesome tonight. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, drumming is on. Thanks, man. How you feeling? I feel all right. Yeah. Do you want to finish your interview? We can talk after it. You gonna be around for a second? Yeah, I'll be around for a second. All right, well, I'll be here after the interview. Then. Okay, I feel I feel awkward. Like I'm like I'm, I'm messing shit up. Yeah, finish your interview. You're not messing nothing up. Dude. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, have fun. Um, so. Another band went on, had hits. <laughs> a different band with the same name. Same, yeah, same Don, situation. Was it the Donnas? No, this is years before the Donnas. The, Donna, the Donnas are probably the also in, my my, in seventh grade. They're, we're about the same age, yeah. Yeah, the Donnas. <laughs> so I don't think that they were they were years from there. Yeah. That was just the first thing that popped in my head. I don't know why. Uh, I'll tell you, it was Sponge. Oh. It was a stupid band name, and they just happened to have that, that one hit that was like... Uh, I don't even remember it I remember now. Wax I remember. Ecstatic. I remember uh, the name. But I don't think that was their first hit. I think that was their second, like, not-so-major hit. It was uh, Molly, uh, 16 Candles Down the Drain. Yeah. I keep getting uh, Waiting by the Phone, Soul Asylum stuck in my head. <laughs> but I know that's not what it is. Anyways, um, I just made it known that, like, every time I was switching a band, like, I don't want to play the same instrument. I was like, like when I... Like when I played in 28th Day, for example, played this first Arrival show ever. That show is when Tim Mackrath came to come and like kind of check out my drumming, you know, or whatever. I mean, we're both fucking juniors in high school, so I don't. It's not like it's that like what, how it sounds. But um, he, he just came down with some friends, you know, and, and he's like, hey, this guy Neil, who, you know, is playing in this band, so he knows me as a drummer, right? So then all of a sudden I start playing a practice or two with Baxter on drums and I'm like, you know what? I love your songs so much I'd love to learn them on guitar because I already know how to play guitar. So then I was like, hey, let's get this old drummer that played in Office Boy, which is the band before Baxter, which Tim Remus, who actually works the door here at Township, um, he ended up uh, being the drummer. And so I learned how to write songs with Tim in you know junior year 
and uh, Remus, our drummer, like he was so good. Like I actually, from watching him play, I learned so much just from from absorbing that. That then when I met Brendan uh, from Broadways and Slapstick, and he wanted to start a band eventually, he knew me as a guitar player. So he calls me up in like '98 after Broadway's breakup, and he's like, "Hey, we should start a band." I'm thinking, you know, you on guitar, me on bass, and we'll go get a drummer, just be a three-piece. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but uh, I also play drums. Like, I'd love to, I'd love to. Are you out of here? Actually, Lee, you were at that the Copernicus Center Gateway show with 28th Day. And oh, yeah, great band. Yeah, that was the Arrival's first show uh, ever. That was true. Get out of here. Talking about that. Uh, Get out of here. In the interview. I mean, come on. Oh. We're going there. We're Who going else played that show? Mast- Scorch? Mast played? 28th Day. After, after being racist? <laughs> after racism? After their racist band. Oh, right. yeah, because you're a really good band. You, might... <laughs> yeah, you can tell the singer I said, well, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time with him one day. Yeah? <laughs> this is Lee Lee, family tattoo. Come get me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it, See you guys. It went there. It went there. Hold <laughs> oh, no, with me? You know I got no filter. Alright, see you guys. Good to see you guys. <laughs> You know how to highlight and delete, right, on the computer? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's my history with it, basically, is just sort of, like, being able, being prepared to play any instrument based on my brother having a band. But you're not trained at all, you just know. No, no, it, yeah, like, the, the first, I remember being able to play the guitar for the first time because I, I, I picked up my brother's Ibanez gem, and I looked in a Metal Edge magazine, and there was the Lithium tab, the Nirvana song, Lithium. <laughs> And I, I picked it up, and I, I, I just, I just could figure out what the, you know, zero two two meant. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Zero and then two two, whatever. And I played the song all the way through, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> that's nice. So, that was my preparation. Was just sort of being, being around it. Having my, my brother, I'm sure there's genetic disposition or whatever. I don't know. My, if, if my mom always had a good sure. tempo on the steering wheel in the car, like <laughs> tapping along to Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. So what about you, Isaac? Let's, let's, uh, I guess maybe we should move on to Treasure Fleet, since that's what well, yeah. we're really this is, uh, talk about. <laughs> But it, but it's fascinating to like. Well, the thing. Sorry, that, I mean, it's like. Uh, I'm we're, we're, by we're, like we're, we're giving we're giving we're giving the listener uh, a foundation right now of <laughs> of where Isaac and I are coming from. We're, right. we're flames with the beat. We, well, we we don't. This is the whale. We we, we we appreciate and we, we settle in a very similar scene, you know, obviously. Right. Yeah. And this is the first time we're like we're starting something new, with years and years of like being doing other things. Yeah. Okay. Now I know where I want to go. I'll tell you what. You, you know, I mean, just talking about the same shit that that we were just talking about, like, yeah. I mean, where it's coming from is a total like curiosity, <laughs> like. Like we're 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 both kind of just like, like, damn, how, like I like that. How does that fucking work? Like yeah. that's that's basically and 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 honestly, like, I mean, we, I think, you know, we played it with in their rivals together before. I think we necessarily even knew that that's where each other were coming from, and now we're like we're doing this thing where it's like, we kind of get in a, in a weird way like we get to do it together, <laughs> like we're. Yeah. We're we're like 
I mean, that, I don't know. I don't think. Oh yeah, I had that at. Uh, you know, we're, we're neither, and we're also coming from a place where like neither one of us came to Chicago to play music. We grew up and we grew up around Chicago. We found out music was happening in Chicago, and we were into music, and that's kind of like how we ended up knowing each other and and doing this. And like you know that, I guess. You know, those those are kind of like for, for for what we're doing now. Like this is this is seriously fast forwarding like twelve years, yeah. and like, but again, like that's that's kind of that that that's where it's coming from. It is this kind of like natural, you know, like. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was gonna say like I know from the tours I've done with my friends, it's like you're sitting in the van. It's three a.m. You're trying to stay awake, and you're like. How did you get into the punk rock? And that's the stuff that really gets me going. So that's this is the stuff I'm interested in. Like, and it just so happens that other people are interested in, and it doesn't make the zines, it doesn't make the websites, it doesn't make those things. And that's what really like at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's what I want to know is like, who are you? Well, it would be really lame if we were like. Pop punk was super huge, man. Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I was gonna say like the things, the things that I remember. One of the first conversations Isaac and I ever had, like when we were, it might have been before Treasure Fleet even, or right when we started, like right when I was doing the arrivals, filling in or whatever. Um, we talked about time travel, and we talked about the just like the logistics of what it would take, like like to protect something to be able to travel through time and just, I don't know just the conversation and that, the, that was we, we I actually remember what day that was that was the day that I mean Treasure Fleet was like hardly a band yet yeah <laughs> we that was the day that we were you and I ran around like bar hopping and picking up gear to bring to Atlas to record Future Waves oh so okay so the band had been around for like a few months at that point yeah and yeah, and yeah it was like I, I totally remember the conversation it, it was, we, we were both pretty like we, we probably we might have hit you know three bars in the neighborhood went down to Reggie's to pick up I can't even oh that's you, right you were barring drums or we were barring drums for uh, Mike or something down at Reggie's I can't remember exactly why we were down there but, but we were there and then and like Ronnie, you know, oh, you're in my work. Come on, like, you know, let's do some shots. <laughs> and then we're in the van talking about time travel. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, like, no, I totally no, but, remember but, that. But that's that's, it. That, that's the kind of stuff that keeps us going. It's like, you know, punk rock is a is a very fascinating topic, but there's a lot of other fascinating things to talk about, and, and that's right, right, that's right. one of the things that I, I loved about our, our our first conversations, getting to know each other. Is like there were no boundaries with like what we talked about and how we. We like thought about just the future of like the music that we were starting at that point. You know, it was like, you know, I'm gonna speak for Isaac here, <laughs> and just say that you know, like the, the arrivals is pretty much his own your only band. You know, that that's yeah, been much. that's been your your main like 99 percent output. And this is this is a, a, an ability as an adult, you know, in your uh, mid 20s to. <laughs> Uh, okay, mid thirties. <laughs> uh, to to do something new, and, and and it's different. Like when like the arrivals are one of my favorite Chicago punk bands. One of my favorite bands, just in general, ever of people put together at, uh, in the history. Um, but there's there's history behind that already. That's yeah. already its its own thing. And to be able to play with this new band name and this new 
uh, aesthetic of music and the new style that we're just all like you know getting together with Mike Oberlin and Eli Caterer and Dave Merriman and then and then even John Olson and Preston Bryant who's about to he's the guy that fills in for Andrew Jackson Jihad he does all like the extra stuff for them he's about to go on tour with us for for a week so people are like rallying around Treasure Fleet in a way that's like I don't know it's it's becoming something from really just us being pushed together yeah obviously Isaac is the perpetuator of it but we're all just trying to appreciate it and have as much fun with it as we can and you, you write all the songs Isaac right right now yeah yeah I mean I mean I, I, I will say this like I mean this is even kind of like I'll say this like I write all the songs but I think there's a there's a like something that people don't talk about in music that <laughs> writing a song or singing a song or whatever is is like maybe like 15% of being a good band <laughs> like like people like people think that's 95% of it but like i mean this band is great because of so many other things besides that like i i i, I like i want to start a campaign for for like 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 songs aren't bands <laughs> like lyrics aren't bands songs aren't bands singers aren't bands like that like so, like so what are is, bands um well historically I mean, the like, great band in your in your interpretation right there. I mean the, the the great bands in history are good rhythm sections <laughs> like basic and then you if you got a guy who can like show off on guitar a little bit a guy who can like <laughs> and it like just a little bit <laughs> and a guy that like if you got a guy who who can sing with some personality like those are those but think of think of I mean fucking Led Zeppelin has one of the worst singers in history. The Doors has one of the worst singers in history. Great fucking bands, yeah. and, and it's like those are those are great bands despite their singers. Like the, like those are great bands despite moments of horrible, like horrible lyrics. Well, Led Zeppelin has some of the worst lyrics in the history of rock and roll, and like I actually like I I was misled and. Like to, to think to focus too much at times on Robert Plant, like you you if you can ignore Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin is fucking amazing and like that's how people should that those are banned. People don't know it. People don't pay attention. A Wilhelm scream, who we, we just saw tonight. I mean, you know, it's like I know why they're a great band. <laughs> like they're like they like they like. Their drummer fucking smokes. Their bass player fucking smokes. Their guitar players, they they fucking smoke too. It's but it, but I know for a fact that like people don't think that. People don't think about that. I don't know why I was, why. I, oh, so I do I do write most of the songs of Treasure Fleet, but the, the songs don't matter. Like like we're just lucky to be like the things the, the, talking about space travel. Yeah, you know and and. And you know, the, and coming from places that we came from, like in a weird way, like that—that's this band. That's what—that's why this band is good, and that's why what, what this band is about. And like, it just happened. I actually tried to do. I tried to do. I mean, I, I part of part of what taught me about all this stuff is like I tried to do this. I tried to do, play these songs with a whole other group of people, and then I came and started playing these songs with this group of people. And like some of what the lesson was like, wow, like this, like 
these are two totally different things. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I used to, like, people do think, like, people think, you know, I'm going to go play my acoustic guitar up in front of everybody, and the songs, like, the songs are the songs, and that's it, you know? And I think, so anyway, I, I just wanted to qualify. Yeah, they, they, they're my songs, but, like, the songs isn't the band. That's what I, that, that's this is, what I want to say. This is what I think defines a band, is... People that aren't involved in, in the music scene, like like yourself, like you interview bands, you're you're you go backstage. Like there's a there's a, a big portion of people who never go backstage or never even know what it's like to like create a song, you yeah. know. And like their their association with it is uh, hold on. <laughs> Well, we're going to edit this down. No, I'm getting to a point here. I have a point. I just... Well, here's the thing. It's like, uh, I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy podcasts. Yeah. Where people think oh, that stand-up... going to take me in a different up, realm. Okay. Well, no, no, no. But stand-up... But people think stand-up comedians get up there and make it up as they go. No, no, no. Not at all. But people do um, think that, though. Oh, this is it. This is my point. All right. All right so all right, edit and start. <laughs> the intangible quality that people take from going to see a band live or that, that when they read articles about bands touring around is that there are three, four, five human beings all just deciding to go the same direction in life together as people in a little van or truck or whatever on tour around. They're like, why are these people making this decision? There has to be something about this that they're putting themselves out there to... I mean, traveling's not a, it's not a glamorous thing. It's like you have to want to be involved in it. It's a, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Right. So when, when you show up in a place like Salt Lake City, or you show up in a place like Oklahoma City, or uh, you know, any of these other places that end with city, Atlantic City, <laughs> um, people, they're going to they're gonna look up and be like, why did these people all choose to step on stage together tonight? That is the intangible. Like, the songs, like you're saying, are secondary to that. Because yeah. you could get up there and you could be one of the best bands in the world and choose to play the shittiest songs. <laughs> and it's like, people are still going to see your band. Now, if you keep playing shitty songs, of course, they're going to stop coming, whatever, whatever. But what I'm saying is, like, it's really that decision. And I, Isaac, I think the songs do matter. I don't think you give it as much credit as... as because there are, there are bands that are popular that are like, why are you popular? Your songs suck. <laughs> but it's still that intangible quality of like, why is this thing, why is this thing moving from city to city? And other, why are other people in other places enjoying it? I want, I have the fascination of it. And I mean, there is the attraction of the song hitting you and enjoying that as well. I'm talking, ma- I'm talking the mass bubble. The punk bubble is the smallest bubble of all the bubbles <laughs> in music bubbles. Yeah. There are, the, I mean, the biggest bubble is just like you know U2 and like you oh. know Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I mean, that's it's a real bubble to deal with. Hey, some of those early Red Hot Chili Peppers records are okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just talking. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about the success and the, and the reach of the humanity. Right. You know, because like you know, I walked by an apartment the other day and I heard like, uh, "What I got, you got to give it to your mama." Like playing through like the window, and I'm thinking to myself, "I've heard this riff." 10,000 times. This kid must have heard this riff 10,000 times, but maybe not. Maybe that's the first time that person ever heard that song and they're crying a little bit because 
you know, they they want to do it like a dog and drink water or whatever. I don't know. It's all about association and time passing and knowing that there's always going to be someone younger hearing it and being being just in, in just like, what is this? Why are these people doing this? That's the band. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like what? And there's no one that's ever left a band and had a more successful solo career than the band that preceded them. That's never happened. Your your solo artists are always smaller than the bands. Literally. All, yeah. I mean, you, you, you chop out the entity, the drummer, the drummer that everyone loves, the bass player that, that everyone loves, the rhythm guitar player. You take those people away, the person that writes the songs, even though they are the songwriter, they're still not bringing in all the tickets. Uh, you know? It's I, like... And I know that sounds business or whatever, but it's like that's... You know, I, th- I think of one of my favorite artists ever, Frank Black. Yes. He's yes. like one of the best artists to like in my lifetime, one of my favorites. But when he went solo, his cult status like and all that like stayed with the Pixies. It didn't go into like, you know, selling out 2000 seaters, you know. But they were also not even that big when the Pixies were around the first time. They weren't nearly as big as they were in the 04 reunion. That was mind-boggling. But what I'm saying is there's no situation like the band is the, is the anomaly or the the just like what is that is that the right thing or just like the thing that you just you can't you can't make sense of it it just sort of happens and and people like they they want to see the the familiarity of it's it's yeah imagine original guns and roses getting back together how people would feel just just to see slash and and axel up there together as dudes you know and duff and whoever else they could get to fill the i mean i don't know uh is it D- Dizzy's still in the band? It's Izzy. You got to get Izzy. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. It's like Axel can go out and do that because, and that's that's a that's an occasion where the songs actually permeate, where the songs are bigger than the band in a band like Guns N' Roses because those guys struck it at the right time for whatever reason. Not fully supporting Guns N' Roses here. I'm just saying yeah. when you look historically at what they've done, you know I- it's. I was about to argue that I think Chuck Reagan might be the one exception to that rule until I think about the other day when I saw Chuck Reagan play in part of what ten thousand people with hot water music. But I think he might be he might be the one guy that can take it to that next But he's still got a band with him. But he's solo, so Anyway. Yeah, well, he, he's branding himself in a way that, like, you know, he's putting himself out there. Hot water music will always be that beloved, you know, right, right, 90s, 90s post-hardcore band, like, and he's obviously the biggest guy in that band, like, name-wise, name yeah. of course, because he's gone out there and created the Revival Tour, that's all him, and he works really hard on that tour, and I, I respect that guy so really much good, for, really for what he's done, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I still think that, that that has a shelf life, whereas, like, Hot Water Music can keep playing well into like those guys are in their upper 30s right now you know they're about to hit 40 soon and like I think they're already 40 but still anyway I know they're, yeah, they're, it, whatever, they're, they're whatever. point I, 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 those are some of my favorite people in the world and I, I hope they keep playing until yeah. you know right. they're reborn again whatever that means they're, they're, we, we should probably end it yeah, here that's not a religious that's yeah. I'm talking about the, the circle of life uh, I just one thing before we get away I, I, I'm going to wrap it up because like I mean Neil here has covered it all, but no, for you, no. got it. Isaac still has a lot of stuff to talk. I about. know, I know he does. Um, so you write all the rival songs. I, no. I write, I write the songs that I sing mostly. Right. Well, so but I'm curious, like when you sit down to write a Treasure Fleet song, 
is it a different place in your brain space whatever than a, an arrival song or does it all come from the same root it all it all it all comes from the same place little i mean little dave when we first started doing when, when i first started writing the, these songs and or when especially when he started playing with treasure fleet and people would be like what i mean little dave knew me before before, I just said before I knew how to write a song <laughs> like I mean he knew that I like he knew my history knew that I was into the, the Beatles and the Kinks and like the animal like you know before before I knew what music was when I was just listening to stuff like I, I would like he, he knew he knew all that and he and like when we started and then <clears throat> I met Dave and then I was then it's like you know Naked Reagan oh they're punk okay yeah. like who else is punk? <laughs> like, you know, the Clash. Okay, you know, I mean, he like let's be like that when we start their arrivals. I mean, that's that's kind of the way it went, and and like and you know, I we I started writing songs in a genre basically, like like and then you know, and then when I started writing Treasure Fleet songs, it was just kind of like I was just trying to shit them out. I was just trying to like. Like here's one, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, there's another. One. I was just like getting them out, and and then, uh, you know, D- little Dave said like this, this is uh, this is like the other half of Isaac's songwriting, like uh, like and it, like, you know, so it's it's all the same to me, like, you know, I'm just, like if anything, it's a lot less stress because with arrivals, like I always have. You know, I have a. It's already an idea. It's already like I know what it's supposed to be. I know what it's supposed to sound like. I know what it's supposed to. What, who, who's going to be in the band and all that kind of stuff? And like, certainly with, with Treasure Fleet, like, like I didn't. I didn't have a band. I didn't have an idea about what we we're going to sound like, what we we're going to look like, what we we're going to like. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I was just trying to get it out, you know. And and truthfully, like now. It's slightly harder now that I do know, like what what it's gonna be like. Now that there's a band, now that I know Mike, I know Neil, they're gonna put their mark. I know Eli's gonna do what he's gonna do. Dave's gonna do what he's gonna do, and like it's a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit harder once you once you know that because you know, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just grateful I wrote like. 40 songs before I had a band and, and now but it but it's also fun to like you know a lot, some of the, some of the songs like Coke Emotion were, were like some of them were done before there was a band and some of them were, were done like at, like we're done when, when we were already Treasure Fleet and I mean they, they, the ones that we did when we were already Treasure Fleet turned out pretty awesome too because like I'm like I know what these guys can do on this stuff so it's like you know, I mean, it's really more about that now than like writing a song, try, trying to have everybody like fulfill their potential of like, you know, I don't, I don't write the whole thing. I'm just like, here's, this is gonna be my part, guys. What do you think? Do what you're gonna do. You know. Cool. So, I don't know. So it is, I guess, a slightly different place in that sense. Cool. Um, Oh man, I read I read I read the whole long story of how Treasure Fleet even came to be, but we've talked for so long I don't even know if we want to talk about it now. But you're gonna well you can edit it down. 
Put it in the interesting stuff and leave out like, like this whatever is, else. This is long. How much, <laughs> how much longer do you want to keep talking? Are you having fun? Yeah, I could use another beer. It did. It's your... I mean, like the it, thing he, is, like... He, he's going to tell the, the origin story, so you can go grab the, another the beer. The origin. Because it's long. <laughs> oh, the I mean, origin story. Yeah. Like I got I was, pee, too, so... Go pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come back. I, so... What, what's the origin of how we all started playing together? Well, what I, the story I read today that I really liked, there's going to be people that are going to hear this and never heard anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's the story of, like, you partying all weekend with Todd from Toys That Kill, oh, five-year plan. The or- your kid, your son busts his face open yeah. on the playground, and you go home and you write a whole bunch of songs. Yeah, I mean, it basically... Um, I mean, the, the, the Arrivals was... You know, we were, the arrivals was drawn like fucking thirty people. It show like like the arrivals already had one life, and we were like we were kind of a low point, and we were and we we're anyway. I mean, we, like I did I just didn't know what the fuck we were doing with the arrivals, and I didn't know like what punk rock was doing because it was like like I was just so fucking bored with punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, can I, I pause yeah. you real quick? Yeah. I, I was curious because, like, you guys, your rivals are, like, the best kept secret in <laughs> punk rock. Yeah. Like, the people that know it fucking love it, but nobody knows it. Would you be a full-time musician if you could? Um, or do you like being at home with your kids? No. No, I totally... I would... Both. Yeah. Sure. No, I'm, I, I'm sure I mean, I would tour seven months out of the year, and I, I, I... Trailing around the country and playing rock and roll is the best thing in the fucking world right. and you know I I mean I'm you know dude I do this because like I watch fucking Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard videos and I'm like fuck man that's who I want to be that's that's what I want to do you know like that like yeah if I could do that all the time there's nothing better I'm not like I'm this isn't this is I'm passionate about it <laughs> like, it's not it's not like Oh yeah, I do this. This isn't like doing model trains for me. Like I like, I care about this like motherfucker. So cool. yeah, if 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 I could do it for a living, absolutely, I would I would do it. And and you know, whatever if the if the you know, I, nobody nobody their rivals just didn't do it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> like it just never happened. I, w- I was talking to Mikey Erg last night from the Ergs. <laughs> yeah, and he was like. He was thanking me for interviewing them before anybody gave a shit about him, and they broke up, and now everybody loves the Ergs. Yeah, and hopefully, you guys get us what a third we should life. Break up. No, I <laughs> mean, a, like you guys are on a hiatus. It, it'll come around, like because it's it's a damn good band. But um, I don't know. Uh, God, we've gone on so long. Do you want to tell that story? Neil's already back. He already peed. Sure. Did you pee, well, Neil? I peed. Anyway, wow, and got a new beer. So I. I, I the story is that 30% I, did, I didn't know I'll, I'll give you the short version I didn't know what the fuck was going on with punk rock I didn't know why I was doing it I was like I was drinking a lot every single day went to and those guys came to town they play Todd played all this crazy psychedelic music for me and and uh, I saw Underground Rail of Candyland they all went home and like that day I'm like walking around town I'm like got it all the all the like 60s psych 60s mod shit was coming back to me and yeah i i started just i i shit out three songs that day and then i said i sent him to todd i was like like check this out 
and it, and he thought I was like just goofing off or whatever. And by the end of the month, I wrote like I wrote a record, twelve song record, and I and we did a tour with Candyland, and I I, I tried to start with, and I was like, I played the record for Todd. He's just like, dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. We we went to uh, we were in we were in New York. I was like, dude, let's start a band. Like, it's it's gonna be kind of kind of mod kind of psych like and so then we tried to do that for a couple years where i was go i go out to california and we do it with he he had uh this band dios that he was kind of doing stuff with and we tried to do that kind of fell apart and because i mean it does it you know unless you're touring all the time you're a bigger band you can't live in different cities or whatever and yeah i then i i called neil and i was just like uh, hey, I got these songs. I want to do a band, which is totally. I mean, to do that when you're 17 is one thing. To do it <laughs> when you're 30 is like starting a band is the fucking hardest thing ever to do. <laughs> and so like, but Neil was just like, yeah, like you know, we 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 we've been playing, we've been we we've been practicing and playing arrival shows together, and it was super fun. And it, and it was just like, man, I would really like I I would. I would really love to be in a band with Neil, and for all kinds of reasons, I know, like you, you know, well, if, like anyway, scratch that. <laughs> uh, it was just like I was just like, dude, I'd love to do a band with Neil. I like, I, I, I love the way he thinks about music. I love the way he does stuff. And so then Neil and I just started getting together, and like it wasn't, it was not a band. <laughs> it was like me and Neil getting together, playing music together for a good several months and then I was like dude I booked a show <laughs> yeah and then you're like I booked a show and I have this drummer in mind yeah little little Dave had a friend who was like who wanted to do it and I'd never met the guy never didn't never heard him play drums and like last minute like literally I think a week before the show he totally flaked out <laughs> and like I'm not even sure if he does play drums <laughs> like I was like ah oh, shit we gotta figure was that the Andrew Jackson Jihad show that so it was I think it was yeah no, so we are, we are gonna go play in front of 300 people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the Bee Kitchen in like a week and a half and we and we we had songs we Neil and I had our shit together but we didn't have a drummer or anything so I knew uh Mike played bass for Sass Dragons, and I, I loved him. He's the best dude in the world. I heard that he played drums, so I was getting on YouTube, like trying to see a video of him playing drums for another band. That didn't. I did never find a video, but I called him anyway, and was just like, "Hey, dude, I got a crazy idea. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you think about? I got this new band, and we don't have a drummer. Like, you want to come and like learn some songs? We got a show next week. So he came, we went to the practice spot. And we played, we, we taught him, like, the first day, we taught him, like, five songs, I think. And it, and it was just like, yeah, okay, this is going to work. So then, then the net, like, we practiced one more time and taught him, like, four more songs. And, and Dave, Dave was doing keys at that point. Dave, Dave was, he was learning. Keys. He was learning all the key stuff. Dave doesn't play keys, by the way. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, he was being introduced to the keyboard and for that. I, and, and, yeah, and, I mean, we, we went and played... And we just went and did it like a week later, and I mean, and I mean, kind of what we were talking about before. It was just like, 
I mean, but, but before we, but we we said it before. Like we, the, I remember the, like the day we were going to the studio. Like we were sitting there talking at, at the bar uh, down the street from Matt's about like just the idiosyncrasy or what, what's uh idiosyncrasy of it all yeah the synchronicity (laughs) like the the just just the (laughs) fact that like you know it's like like why it like why did that work why is this working that what we're doing and it's like i remember neil talking about like there's so many like the length of the guitar player's arm the like you know like the come on you were talking about (laughs) it you were talking about (laughs) it all right We've, okay, we probably had some beers. You probably you, might you have might, done a shot. You might be telling the truth. No, but but no, of like 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 it matters. You, you don't think sure, you, sure. you don't think it matters, but it matters, and it's just like it was just there. Like we played a show, played with Andrew Jackson Jihad, who took us on tour a year later. They, they were just like, yeah. holy shit! Like it was our first show, and they were like, there they are. We we we'd only played together for a week, and and. <laughs> But, but it's, it's like it's destiny. Do you believe in destiny? No, but I believe in fucking whatever it was. Yeah, whatever it was. Like it, it, it didn't have to happen this way, but it's the way it happened, and it's I'm fucking really grateful that it did because it's super fun. Cool. <laughs> that's that. That's the birth of the band. Right. Well, we've talked for way too long. Uh, yeah. You guys are about to go on a tour, right? Yep. Uh, what What's the tour? Like you guys are playing here in a week, right? <laughs> Like this, this might be up by the time no, you guys two, play at the. Like two or three weeks. Yeah, two like or three two, weeks. October, yeah. early October. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll make sure it's up. Uh, what's next for Treasure Fleet? That that's next. We got a record. We got tomorrow. Our, we okay the uh, layout. Right. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw on your phone earlier. Like yeah, no, a little, little Dave did the like, layout, so we we need to okay that. Once that gets okay, we have to figure out the uh, colored vinyl situation. I'm I'm assuming we should go. Uh, blue vinyl with a yellow marble. I, that sounds awesome. Do we do we really get to figure that out? I'm telling T- Todd right now. If you're listening, <laughs> we would love to do a blue vinyl with a yellow marble. That sounds. That Todd sounds does awesome. a pretty enjoyable podcast. I hope he listens to this and gives me some pointers. Um, the rivals. He are, couldn't possibly listen to the whole thing. You're gonna have to edit not. this. Yeah, put, you got to put that up in the front like two minutes if you run in to hear it. Good, good point. Uh, so the arrivals. Are you guys gonna do anything else? What's up with that? Real, real the, quick. The arrivals. Oh, gee. I yeah, of course. We're cool. gonna keep playing shows. Good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, come back to Colorado, please. Uh, or we, I'll come back out here. I'm gonna end up there one way or another eventually. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Lawrence Arms' new record. Uh, yeah, no, it'll happen in the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, I, I interviewed Brendan February, it, like the oh. week after. Yeah, he had Twittered. Like, oh, we're on a new record. It's you know, yes, there are new songs. Uh, the recording has not begun. Uh, we have certain things in the way. Things not. Yep, yep. Uh, so basically, short, short version. You don't have to. Yeah, no. Uh, I would say I would say end of thirteen. If we don't have something out, it would come out in uh, fourteen at some point. <laughs> and if Maybe fifteen. Yeah. If it's not out by cool. yeah, well, no, I, I, way before fifteen. And, and so here's the if thing: we're going to Thanksgiving of fourteen, and there's not something out. It's coming out the week after that. So, so here's the whole thing: is like when you see this online later, I'm going to promote it as Neil talks to the new Lawrence Arms record, and then the Treasure Fleet. <laughs> To get people to listen about the treasure fleet, is that okay with you? It's what a do you bit, think? it's a bit sneaky, but I I, I I know what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get listeners, 
you guys will get people to listen to the band. Yeah. Uh, so I, I open up every episode with a song. I think I'm going to open up with an Arrival song. I got an idea. Well, no, maybe we'll do Treasure Fleet. What Treasure Fleet songs Treasure would you like to hear? <laughs> no, we'll do both Treasure Fleet songs, and then fucking people can look up the Arrivals and Smoking Popes. Because you're in way too many bands to even mention. <laughs> I know. Um, what, what Treasure Fleet songs should we exit with right now uh, here, Isaac? Black Rag. Yes. Black, Black Rag. Rag. Well, yeah. uh... Yeah. Even though I answered that, and I'm sorry because I know that was that was a question. Directed you saved my Isaac. ass by answering that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, uh, as long as you as long as you agree, you know that's all that matters. You're gonna have to do this as a series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this might be a two-parter. Uh, let's go drink some more beers. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for talking thank so you, long man. with me, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Love you. Bye. All right, buddies. Well, thanks for listening to uh, today's episode. Uh, thank you to Neil and Isaac for hanging out and talking with me. Uh, it seems like at the end, Neil might have been a little annoyed with me and my retardation. But uh, needless to say, I, I'm not going to lie. I was nervous talking to him. I was more nervous talking to Neil without preparing anything than I was talking to Brendan Kelly when I talked to Brendan about the Lawrence Arms stuff uh, back in February. Um Mostly because I didn't have any prepared, so I overcompensated by drinking, and that's just what I do. There's a reason why this show is called Most of the Time Was Damn It Damien, is because, damn it, Damien, why did you drink so much beer? <laughs> it seems like a good idea at the time, and in the moment I seem sober, but I'm not. <laughs> and uh, I promise you that will never change until I hit alcoholics anonymous but regardless thank you guys for hanging out and talking to me um dream come true fantastic fucking episode super long should have cut it up but we didn't um again please check out the treasure fleet this is going up a little bit late i'd been a little under the weather and sick so this did not go up before their east coast tour but uh again isaac's from uh the arrivals he's a singer and songwriter and guitar player Neil, of course, is Lawrence Arms, Smoking Popes. He's on bass in this band. He's not the drummer. He's the bass player. And uh, we got Mike Oberlin from the Sass Dragons. Again, still haven't checked you out, Mike, but we're going to very soon. We got little Dave from the Rivals. He's playing keys. We got Eli from the Smoking Popes on lead guitar. Now, hopefully, um, Smoking Popes playing in Denver, playing the entire Born to Quit album very soon, which is one of my all-time favorite albums of all time. Hopefully, we'll get Eli and Josh catheter on the podcast and maybe we can get uh maybe we'll get Neil Hennessy in Denver. Let's get Neil Hennessy Denver drunk and get him to talk to me again on this podcast, guys. Let's tweet it, Facebook it, let's make it happen. Uh again, they're about to have an album called Future of the Ways. It's gonna come out later this year on our recess records, maybe early next year. Lawrence Arms got an album coming out sometime, eventually. The Rivals, who knows? Uh, check out Recess Records. Like I was supposed to interview Todd from Recess Records, but my car my car broke down. Uh, needless to say, I'm gonna have a T-shirt and pint glass sale on the Most Harmless website to celebrate my car breaking down, and <laughs> I gotta buy a new one. But still, buddies, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, you're a goddamn saint. Uh, we're gonna end this episode with a song called uh, Black Rag. Is that the song? Let's go look. Black Rag. It's off Cockamotion. Which is their first uh, Recess Records released. Uh, if you like what you heard, if it wasn't too drunk, too stupid, please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Uh, leave it iTunes reviews. Like me on Facebook. Like this on Facebook. Like I can't do this without you guys. Um, please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and maybe buy a t shirt if you like it. it. It all goes to fueling my uh, 
next drunken binge in a foreign city. And there's going to be many of those coming up soon. I'm, I, I can't tell you, like, this this weekend in Chicago was the best weekend of my entire goddamn life, and I can't believe how fucking fortunate I was for it. Uh, we're going to do an episode. Uh, this next episode that's going to come up is going to be about me going out on an adventure, not knowing anybody in Chicago. And at the end of the night, I jumped in a uh, cab with Springer. Springer! He was uh, from a legendary Boston hardcore band called SS Decontrol. Um, and also Tony from victory records was in that cab. Go fucking figure how fucking bizarre was that? So one of the most bizarre, surreal nights of my life. And that's going to be on the next episode of the most on And thanks again for listening. Please, uh, please come back again. If you've never listened before and you guys who have been here again, thank you. Uh, thank you because you know what? Every episode I open this up with today's special guest, but you know who the special guest is? It's always you. You're a special guest because I couldn't do this without you. If not, it'd just be me jerking off and don't microphone. So anyway, this is a uh, black rag off of uh, off of Cacamonia, Cacamotion from uh, Treasure Fleet. Thanks again, Isaac and Neil. Bye, guys. <laughs>